Hello, and welcome to Cracking Krakoa number two. This is The Secrets of House of X. Cracking Krakoa is a series I'm watching here over on Comic Book Herald Network in an effort to explain and dive into and honestly just enthuse passionately about the Jonathan Hickman written House of X, Powers of Ten, and the X-Men line from here on out. I'm debuting founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. I am writing a whole bunch about House of X and Powers of Ten. I've got reading orders and guides and road to the event up on the whole Comic Book Herald network. You can find it on YouTube, on comicbookherald.com, all sorts of stuff. I'll include links in the show notes here as well. But the Kraken Krakoa series is named for Krakoa is the island and sort of these gateways that are proposed in the very beginning of House of X. And basically what I'm saying is understanding this new habitat, this new world of X-Men that is starting here in 2019. Before I go any deeper, it should be very clear that this is the secrets of House of X, okay? This is me honing in on references and points that are made in these comics that more often than not call back to either Jonathan Hickman written Marvel Universe comics or comics that are clearly influential on his writing and on his focus. So it is going to include spoilers. If you haven't read House of X number one, Powers of Ten number one, or House of X number two, which are all the issues that have been released as I'm recording this, then I would recommend that you do so before watching unless you're not worried about spoilers. Okay, that out of the way. I'm going to go into, again, my secrets of House of Ten. I think secrets, Easter eggs, reference, sort of if you've read the Hickman universe of Marvel Comics and you know everything there is to know, then are many of these going to be secrets for you? No, probably not. But for more casual fans, for those of you who maybe missed out on the run the first time around and are coming into House of X Fresh, which I think is a lot of readers, which is really cool. It's bringing a lot of people to comics. This is the biggest thing in X-Men. It's the biggest thing in comics of 2019. So there's a lot of people asking me, hey, what should I read before this? What do I need to understand House of X? And I'm going to talk through some of those details that hopefully can augment your own experience of enjoying the comic. I find it that when you understand these references, a lot of times it's not like necessary to understanding literally beat by beat the plot, but it gives and provides value for, for your own enjoyment of like, oh man, there's a, this world and these ideas that make this extremely, extremely fun. So let's get into it. Again, it's going to be some history, some background. I'm going to start at the top with reference number one, Cerebra. And this is something that has been, and no, I'm not mispronouncing that, Cerebro is the predecessor, okay? <laughs> yes, there's Cerebro, which is what Charles Xavier uses like pretty famously in the X-Men movies, of course, throughout X-Men comics, dating way back to the Silver Age's origins by Stanley and Jack Kirby. It's this sort of mutant detecting software, not really software, technology, that he uses to help him reach out and find and occasionally communicate with mutants. Cerebra is sort of the V2 of this this technology that originates in a run called New X-Men, by writer Grant Morrison, and with a lot of art and design here by Frank Quietly, a creative partnership that has led to a lot of amazing comics such as We Three or All-Star Superman, and of course, much of New X-Men. Now, this run goes from New X-Men number 114 to about number 154. It spans years uh, 2001 to 2004, and it is clearly the influence on uh, writer Jonathan Hickman's approach to X-Men, and we'll talk about that as we go. But basically, you're going to hear me talk about New X-Men a lot. I included it in my Road to Hickman's X-Men guide over on comicbookherald.com as sort of the essential 
Road 2 series, which is atypical for a new event, right? Like most events launching in 2019, my CBH Road 2 is going to look back at the comics that were relatively close in proximity, you know, events and things that have happened that are setting the stage here. Hickman's X-Men doesn't read like that. Actually, the things that happened in 2018 and even in the earlier part of 2019, it's unclear through three issues how relevant they even are, if they even officially happened. We don't know at this point, but we definitely know that basically anything Morrison thought of in New X-Men not only happened, but is going to be like pretty darn relevant. In these books so cerebra is the first thing now we've seen this on the head of professor x who's a major character here we know that professor x charles xavier as he's launching what is becoming to be known as the house of x worldwide that he is basically as far as we've seen never taking cerebra off it seems to be completely disconnected from like the wires and things that would you know we would see him in the bottom of the x mansion with the cool metallic x doors he's just walking around with this thing all the time now not only is this a reference back to Cerebra, the technology, in terms of just naming it, it's also pretty clearly playing with a character that Hickman had a lot of fun with, the Maker. Now, this was during his Ultimate Universe run. He wrote for Marvel Comics. He expanded into the Ultimate U, which is a, a universe that launched in 2000 as basically a modernization of the Marvel Universe for this millennium. It's pretty famously, there's series like Ultimate Spider-Man, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Mark Bagley, um, or like The Ultimates, which is the Ultimate Universe version of The Avengers, written by Mark Millar, with art by Brian Hitch initially. And when Hickman got to the title, about a decade in, um, you know, it's like 2010 range, He the one of the first series he touched was called Ultimate Hawkeye, which we'll touch on that in a second. And then he did Ultimate Comics Ultimates. <laughs> <laughs> which was an exercise in redundancy, but also a really cool comic. And one of the characters there is called The Maker. And again, like, I'm talking about a lot of comics. If you haven't read these comics and you're afraid of spoilers in them, go read The Ultimate Universe. Go check out Ultimate Comics Comics, because Ultimate Comics Ultimates, because I don't want to spoil this for you if you don't know. Ready? Set? The Maker is Evil Reed Richards, essentially, okay? He's a really cool character. He's since been ported over into Earth 616 proper. Uh, Hickman really, he takes some work that Brian Michael Bendis had done in a trilogy called Ultimate Enemy, and he brings it to another level, and the maker becomes this just really incredible, incredible character. Professor X looks like him. Now, I don't think... Actually, he's going to take off the mask, and lo and behold, it was the Maker this whole time. We actually, the Maker's doing things in the pages of, of Venom and Absolute Carnage as we speak, so there might be some, some overlap there. But it's an illusion, right? It's clearly saying, okay, there's, given what we know of the Maker, what does this suggest about Professor X moving forward? And the answer is big things, but maybe nothing good as well. Another reference to New X-Men that happens in the pages of the House of X series so far, the Genosha event. This is referenced frequently. This comes from the pages of New X-Men number 114 to number 116. The arc is called E is for Extinction. Again, Morrison and Quietly. And this is the opening story arc that, that New X-Men begins with. And long story short, the Genosha event is a genocide. This was uh, Cassandra Nova, the evil twin sister of Charles Xavier, she launched a sentinel attack on the what was supposed to be a safe haven for mutants led by Magneto, and these sentinels, sort of uh, new and, and like even more powerful than than the big robot type things we're used to, they came and they killed I think something like 16 million mutants all in one day. So it's just it's this un unimaginable catastrophe 
in the Marvel Universe. And this is referenced as a point of continuity, as a enormous moment in Marvel and X-Men history that Hickman has referenced several times now. So, again, like, almost no one on this island at least apparently survived. You know, we had casualties like Magneto and essentially uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, now of Deadpool fame. Um, survivors, I think, were exclusively Unis the Untouchable and Emma Frost, who played a big, pretty big role in New X-Men. So that's what they're talking about when they talk about Genosha. They're talking about Sentinels wiping mutants off the map, which I think what we've seen so far in House of X is going to be a pretty big existential threat yet again. All right, more references to Morrison and New X-Men. This one's just a panel, I think, in, in, um, in House of X number one, and we get a visual of Zorn and Zorn. <laughs> and probably I'm saying one of those, maybe both wrong. It's X-O-R-N and Z-O-R-N. All right, this one is complicated, and then some. Probably in the course of talking about this, your eyes are going to cross, and my eyes are going to cross, and we're just both going to be looking at each other confused and, and you know, like kind of ashamed. You can check out the link in the show notes where maybe I've articulated my thoughts a little more clearly. But here's what I'll say. XORN, Zorn, is from the Morrison-written New Mutants. He's a new character. He basically has, like, the power of a sun contained within his metal helmet, uh, which kind of uses this metal skull mask type thing. And what Hickman does is he takes that concept, and when he gets to his Ultimate Universe run, he expands it. So now Zorn and Zorn is his twin brother, spelled with a Z, and they have a somewhat similar background in that they are from... Um, East Asia, they are, you know, sort of imprisoned by the government and experimented upon, and they get these amazing, amazing, like, godlike powers, um, but in the ultimate version of things, these two characters, they found what they call the twin capital cities of heaven, I believe, and they call it Nutian, and they have a group of followers called the People. One group is known as Celestials, and one is known as Eternals. Forget Everything you may know about Celestials as Etern and Eternals as we approach MCU Phase 4, because these versions in the Ultimate Universe are not at all like the versions that we know from the Jack Kirby creation in Marvel in the 70s that are, you know, gonna play gonna play a role in the MCU moving forward. Okay. So that's Zorn and Zorn. And the thing I'll say here is they're in a panel, which means they are alive and they exist. <laughs> like, that was not a, a known thing in Marvel continuity. Again, they were originally in the Ultimate Universe, and now they are in Earth-616. Given how much Higman has referenced them, given the fact that he brings them into his new Avengers run in an alternate reality, I cannot imagine for the life of me that this is the end of what we're going to see of Zorn and Zorn. They're going to be players in, if not House of X and Powers of Ten, in X-Men down the road. Moving right along, the next five references and the secrets of House of X all have to do with the data table from House of X number one, and they all catalog uh, technology that has been referenced or created in the pages of previous Marvel Universe Jonathan Hickman written comics. So I'm going to go through all five, and they all kind of connect in some ways or, or in some ways have characters that they're all similarly related to. The first is The Bridge. This is in Jonathan Hickman's very first Fantastic Four story arc that he wrote. It's a five-issue mini during the Dark Reign saga. It's about 2008-2009 era post-Secret Invasion in which Norman Osborn had kind of become top cop of the Marvel Universe. It was looking at this sort of dark end, you know, the villains have won type scenario. And Reed 
creates this thing called the bridge. It's actually what the story arc is known as, these five issues. And it's a it's a device that allows him to view and uh, navigate to alternate realities. This has a big role moving forward into both the Fantastic Four run that Hickman would write. We get the introduction of the Interdimensional Council of Reeds, which is probably my favorite uh, Hickman concept in the entirety of his really, really awesome work from about 2008 to date. Uh, it's also something that I I stand by the claim that this definitely influenced Rick and Morty and the Council of Ricks. Uh, I don't know this is actually where they got their influence from, but it would make sense to me. That said, the bridge also plays a role in New Avengers. It's what the team there, the Illuminati, use to view incursions of multiversal universes. Now, I may be using a lot of terms and references to Hickman comics without a ton of explanation. Again, I don't want to take all the time to explain everything cool that happens in Fantastic Four and New Avengers. Um, basically, what I will say for a premise for New Avengers and the Build of Secret Wars is there's this situation where we have multiversal incursions, meaning literally planets, Earth, are going to collide. We have two Earths from two realities going to collide, and the New Avengers, the Illuminati of our Earth, are, or of the Marvel Comics universe that we typically follow, Earth 616, they are using the bridge to view other Earths and see what's happening on those alternate realities to try to prevent the impending collapse of their own planet. Speaking of which, in the pages of New Avengers, we also get a, an element that is referenced here, and it's called the anti-proton sling. And I should mention, all this data table, it's talking about technology that is in the hands of a Marvel Universe staple called Damage Control, which is, I think, created essentially like they're the, the people that clean up after superhero messes, right? So we've seen them referenced in the MCU uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. It's Michael Keaton's kind of, you know, like that's the his construction crew butts heads with damage control sort of taking over. It's a somewhat different, a little more comedic take on it in the comics pages. But for our purposes, now they have advanced to the point of they're like kind of housing all of this technology, and we don't really know. I think there's a, a sinister like suspicion that the people who have access to damage control are maybe a little more shadowy, maybe working against mutants more than we'd expect, which is not good because, as we're going to talk about, this is a lot of extremely powerful tech. Anti-proton sling, this is something that Black Swan, a character from New Avengers, uses to launch an antimatter bomb at a planet and destroy it. It's re, uh, reverse-engineered by Reed Richards and T'Challa. Then we get to two uh, really cool ideas from Fantastic Four and into New Avengers. There's a lot of overlap here. This is Soul's Anvil and Soul's Hammer. And these are both like giant, god-killing, power-level weapons. Soul's Anvil is something that was created by the Interdimensional Council of Reeds. I think we're introduced to it back in FF number three. And uh, this one is rumored to have killed a Beyonder, which if you're not familiar with Beyonders, think uh, God, but with a dope white jumpsuit and killer jerry curl. And it's very, very powerful. We also see Soul's Hammer, which is a version of this. It's a Dyson Sphere, which is an actual technology thing that it, that hypothetically could exist i've looked up in the course of trying to explain this because i don't know a thing about the actual tech here which is one of the cool elements of of these hickman pulling and references like some of this is based in real tech and, and real hypothetical ideas um a dyson sphere that is built by tony stark for the most part with you know reed richards and t'challa uh you know of course helping over the course of, of being involved with the illuminati so soul's hammer is is like it kind of gets used as like a giant laser gun powered by the sun to wipe out an entire Shi'ar fleet deep into New Avengers during the time runs out 
arc. I don't know that that's going to have happened in this continuity. I'm still unclear if Time Runs Out is like a thing that people remember in the build to Secret Wars. I kind of feel like it is. Either way, very, very powerful weapons. The final one is a multiversal beacon. This one's a little more straightforward. This is a Reed Richards invention that basically allows you to communicate between uh, alternate, not alternate realities, between multiverse, you know, Earths, between multiversal planets. Okay, from there, <laughs> there's more. Let me see. We got one, two, yeah, we got three more. And all of these are more X-Men focused as opposed to, you know, previous Hickman works focused. So the idea here is there's one, another chart and these data pages in, the, in House of X are amazing. I mean, the, th the coolest thing I think so far about this series is these data pages and these annotated guys. It's like a it, the comic is explaining to you as it goes. It's, it's creating its own encyclopedia. It's creating its own like Wikipedia entries, except they're visually stunning and way more cool than anything on actual Wikipedia, it's providing you with information. What I'm doing is providing a secondary level of information that can explain some of those data pages because if you don't know some of the references, they're not, you know, expanded within that unit. Of course, being on a print comics page, you can't actually click into, for example, on the Omega, um, Omega Mutants list, the character Mr. M who is referenced there and is the deepest cut of the Omega level mutants. I love the explanation for how Hickman is, is very clearly defining what does it mean to be an Omega level mutant? What does it mean to have a power set that cannot be superseded? I think, you know, there are familiar references there like Jean Grey and Magneto, but Mr. M is somebody who does not have a long history in the Marvel universe at all. And most X-Men fans, I'm just going to say it probably have not read the comics that he's in like the, you know the percentages here are going to be small because he's just in such a small amount he debuted in a 2004 series called district x and then played a role in the decimation era x-men this is post house of m you had events that led to the diminishing amounts of mutants in the marvel universe mr m is one of the few who retained his power set and he plays a role in the story arc called decimation i believe in a series called the 198 which is a reference to the only the 198 remaining mutants in the Marvel Universe at this time, which would be about 2005, 2006, our timeline. Mr. M, basically, he's got godlike abilities. It's reality warping and energy projection. It's all over the map. I think you don't, he does not, he has not come up yet. I could very easily see Mr. M playing a role in Hickman written comics for two reasons. One, he's got kind of Molecule Man vibes, who Hickman had a lot of fun with in Secret Wars. Molecule Man, of course, Owen Reese is this character who can basically do anything like he can just to his whim he can reconstruct molecules mr m has kind of a similar vibe except he's way less um sort of sheepish and and nervously anxious um and he's more nebulous and and enigmatic like we know i don't still having read these comics i don't have a great sense of really what he's about he's definitely got sort of hero villain anti-hero vibes we don't totally know um but he does have occasionally friendly relations with the x-men in the limited interaction we get so i thought that was a cool reference because i think that's a, a character not a lot of people would be familiar with speaking of which there's a character that i actually am familiar with that i didn't realize it was and that was in the dna table that in powers of x or powers of 10 excuse me uh that um that explains how rasputin was put together by mr sinister so basically you have here's the dna chart of all the x-men that were pulled into creating this future uh this future mutant that we learn in the 
in the pages of Powers of Ten were created by Mr. Sinister. The Rasputin model is created with a bit of Bane. Not B-A-N-E, right? No DC villains here. But B-A-I-N, not the capital company. Apparently this is Gunther Bane. I didn't know who Gunther Bane was because I know him as Unis, a.k.a. Unis the Untouchable. And this is, in fact, a reference to Unis the Untouchable, and the power set that's referenced there is his force field. So I think a lot of X-Men fans probably know Unis. He's one of the sillier, I think, kind of goofier Silver Age constructs. He just has a force field and kind of can't be touched. Um, but apparently his, his real name, which I did not know off the top of my head, is Gunther Bane. So, you know, good for Gunther getting in there among four mutants I recognize quite easily. Okay, here's the biggest one of the bunch. This is based on House of X number two, which is one of the more amazing comics I've read um, in recent years, certainly, and definitely of 2019. I mean, it's going to go down, I think, as one of my favorite issues of the year. And this is The Uncanny Life of Myra X. Again, I said it up front. I'm going to say it again now. I'm going to spoil a big revelation here from House of X number two if you haven't read this. And the revelation is that Moira McTaggart, paramour of Charles Xavier throughout much of Uncanny X-Men, geneticist, uh, she lives on Muir Island and has done all sorts of research and, and help with the X-Men over the years. We learn, and, and throughout that time, has seemingly been a human. We learn in the pages of House of X number two, she's been a mutant this entire time. And not only has she been a mutant, but her mutant gift is reincarnation and remembering her past life. So she is in House of X on her 10th life okay we get all nine lives before this we get a whole bunch of detail i'm not going to go into each of those what i'm going to focus in for this for the sake of time is her 10th life which is our timeline that we appear to be in building the house of x and i'm going to focus especially on like the comic book events of the 2000s that are referenced on this timeline the first year 49 moira fakes death and then in parentheses she are golem okay what does this mean two things here one if you're reading this in the comic, you're going to see this listed at year 50, not year 49. Jonathan Hickman on Twitter has confirmed that's an error. He actually accidentally flipped them. So I've got it listed here in the order that it should be, okay? Which makes sense in comics continuity a little better than it did previously. So Moira Fakes Death, Shear Gollum, what does this mean? Well, ostensibly, or apparently, it's a reference to X-Men number 108, which is an issue written by Chris Claremont with art by Lionel Francis Hugh. That uh, in which Myra McTaggart dies of the legacy virus, which is a thing that throughout the late 90s into the early 2000s was a virus, I believe, created by Mr. Sinister that basically is killing off mutants. And Myra's working on a cure. She becomes in this time the only human, the only known human, human to contract the legacy virus. And through a sequence of events that involves uh, Sabretooth and Mystique blowing up Muir Island, um, she winds up basically in this issue on her last on her last breath and she dies so this is the issue where myra as we understand it dies now what the shear golem parenthetical appear, appears to be doing is saying that wasn't actually myra mctaggart now as you all know shear golems come up in x-men comics constantly wait no they don't i don't know what this is i've never heard of a shear golem in my life i looked it up Oh, the only time it's mentioned is people talking about House of X number two. I'm sure there are lots of really cool theories. I'm guessing we're going to get a little more detail on this as well. But for the time being, all I can say is this seems to indicate, no, Myra didn't actually die in X-Men number 108. 
she's been around this entire time plotting with her tenth life for this big plan that her and Charles Xavier have called House of X. So I bet there will be a little more detail on that to come. It does raise some interesting questions because Myra McTaggart, dead Myra McTaggart, has been referenced in the Marvel Universe from 2001 to 2018. There's a series called Ecstatics Presents Dead Girl, which is really fun. It's a follow-up to Ecstatics, which is one of my favorite comics of the early 2000s. It's written by Peter Milligan with art by Mike Allred. And uh, in Dead Girl, Myra McTaggart is in this, like, dead Marvel Universe, heavenish hell purgatory. Uh, and she started a book club with uh, Mockingbird that she's really into. So who was that? Was that the Shear Gollum still pretending to be Myra? And then also in Chaos War 2011 event... Uh, the the X-Men tie-in to that series, Myra comes back to life, apparently, or in the way that Chaos War figures do. Who was that? Did this actually happen? So there are a couple continuity wrinkles. They're small things. They're only, you know, it's not going to diminish, I think, the impact of House of X in any way. But I'm curious if they'll be dealt with. Okay, year 50, genocide at Genosha. We talked about this one. Um, I think one of the biggest things it does is in year 52, we get House of X referenced. So what it does is it contextualizes how far is House of X and Hickman, Hickman's vision for the X-Men from Morrison's new X-Men. And in Marvel time, what they're telling us is it's only been two years. Now, time in the Marvel Universe is a funky, wibbly-wobbly thing. It is not to be taken with the same rigidity that we understand time in our own universe, of course. It is possible that everything in Marvel Comics from 2004 to 2018 that will fit in nicely from years 50 to 52 in the Marvel timeline. That is possible. But it doesn't leave as much of a window for things like Astonishing X-Men, Messiah Complex, Messiah War, Second Coming, Avengers vs. X-Men, the Brian Michael Bendis take on X-Men, in which the original five came back into the universe, and as well as things that happened recently, like um, like Astonishing X-Men being leading to the resurrection of Charles Xavier, or um, uh, what else has happened recently? The Uncanny X-Men run written by Matthew Rosenberg that led into the series, in which tons of X-Men died, and now we're just seemingly back fine. Did those things actually even happen? We don't know yet. And this tells us, I think, it doesn't tell us whether they happened, but it tells us that, and it's something you can kind of pick up contextually, the thing that Hickman, as a storyteller, cares about are the big ideas in the X-Men comics that Grant Morrison wrote. That is very, very clear. Those are the touchstones for this run. Everything in between, so far, largely untouched. We'll see. Unless it's his own work. (laughs) <laughs> that he did so that could be i think uh, a problem for some fans for myself as a huge fan i'm not particularly bothered by it i also think there's a lot of runway ahead to begin working those things in so we'll see if that actually happens so there you have it those are my picks compact Herald's picks for the secrets of house of x numbers one and two and of course powers of 10 number one i hope you're enjoying the series i hope you're enjoying the discussions here Again, I'm Dave. You can find me anywhere at Comic Book Herald. You can come check out the writing and all sorts of House of X content on comicbookherald.com. Uh, keep checking out Best Comics Ever for the podcast or YouTube, uh, you know, or Comic Book Herald channel for videos in which I'll be continuing, I think, uh, this Crack and Krakoa series and trying to offer some explanation and theories and just my own, you know, again, enthusiasm for what's happening in the X-Men universe because it's the best time to be an X-Men fan probably all decade, and that's pretty cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and enjoy the comics. 